Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, City Church family. Thank you all for joining us online. Some of the city team is here with me together in the room today. They are representing all of you that are watching online with us today, whether it's a live broadcast or um, on demand. We thank you for joining us today. I am so glad to preach to live people in a room. Me and Michael had a little arrangement for a couple weeks upstairs in our youth area, and it was just me and him. Not that Michael's not a good listener, but I am just so happy to hang out with you guys a little bit today. I tell you what, since we're all in the room and you guys are all watching online, I know what it's like to watch online, but let's just take a moment. Let's stand back up. I know you might not have been standing up um, at home, but let's take a moment to stand up. I know you might be in your kitchen or wherever you might be, and I thank you for all uh, in the room here joining with me. Let's just all raise our hands and just, just pray this morning. Father God, we just love you so much, and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, Lord, through this season of the world and through this season of the church. We thank you, Lord, as we move into this next season of life and this next season for the nation for the next season of whatever might be going on in the world. God, we thank that you have prepared us and empowered us to be ready for what's next. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit is on the inside of us. And God, we pray that you continue to use the city church as we lift up the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your grace upon every family who's watching at home, every family who's here in the room. God, we just pray that you use us to be a blessing to the city. We pray that you use us to be a blessing in the nation as we continue to lift up the name of Jesus. God, we are so thankful for Jesus today. We are so thankful that he is our savior, he is our Lord, he is our soon coming king, and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness in our lives in every way. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you all. Go ahead and take your seats. Well, we're going to be talking about Jesus today. Is everybody okay with that? As we, like I said, we kind of are in an interesting season in our nation with us as a church, um, moving to open our building uh, next Sunday uh, for those that are going to be able to reserve a spot. And I just thought it'd be great for us to celebrate with communion today. Now, nobody in the room can actually receive communion, but thanks for being here. You're just going to have to watch me do it. But everybody at home, go ahead and get some communion elements and get ready to join me. Uh, today as we celebrate communion together. Um, You know, in this season, uh, for us at the Coulter family being at home a lot together, we played a lot of board games together. Does anybody else in your family like to do board games? So we, um, we, we played, we have, the, uh, we have a bunch of board games, some that my parents gave us actually when they downsized into their condo. So we have just a ton of board games. And what happens we, when you have a lot of board games, board games are getting a little bit more complex and confusing to play. And so we have this one game, and you might have heard of it, Settlers of Catan. Does anyone have this game? Recommend it, it's a great game. But when you haven't played it for a while, you forget, but all you have is some vague memory that, hey, this was a really fun game. It was a really good thing to do. And you start to play the game and you're like, oh, yeah, now I remember. Now I remember the goal. Now I remember the purpose. And I remember what all the pieces were for. And I remember, oh, we're supposed to make cities and then we're supposed to you know, lay roads and we're just supposed to do different things and we're trying to block other people. And you remember what the purpose of the game is. 
And, and for us as followers of Jesus, Jesus was very knowledgeable that humans are very forgetful. And that's why he instituted the Lord's Supper. He instituted uh, for us to have communion because at the Lord's Supper, he said, remember. In fact, there's a whole book of the Bible named Deuteronomy that's all about remember, take heed, and obey. I still remember that from Bible school. What is the theme of the book of Deuteronomy? Remember, take heed, and obey. In other words, humans forget. We forget. Life goes on and certain things happen, and then we forget certain things. But Jesus always wanted us to come back to him to remember that he is the answer for all of the problems in our lives and in the, all of the problems in the world. And this is what the Lord's Supper is all about, centering ourselves around the person, about Jesus, God in the flesh. And this is what I wanted to do today as we celebrate communion together, as we remind ourselves about Jesus, as we sort of end one season, as we move in to a next season of the church. Every season of our church will be about Jesus that he is the one who, once again, who's given us the Holy Spirit. He is the one that saves us. He is our Lord. He is our soon-coming king. And, you know, we've all been uh, worshiping at home, and I've had the opportunity to be in the room the last couple weeks as we're worshiping, and then you, you forgot. I mean, it's familiar, but then you forgot. You know, we're home and worshiping at home, and then we forgot how amazing it is just to be with other people. And remember, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. So Jesus knew what he was talking about. When we get together, something special happens. When we, as followers of Jesus, believers in God, when we gather together and we lift up his name, it's familiar, but then we forgot how amazing it is. And for those of you that are going to be joining us soon, live in person, you're going to have the same experience. We're just getting together, being together. It's familiar, but we forgot. And the same way uh, in our lives and our relationship with God, with all of the stuff that we have faced in the world, sometimes we forget to pull out all of the pieces that God has given us to face all of the difficulties in the world, because there's a few difficulties going on in the world right now. Can I get an amen? Some really difficult storms are happening as we speak. Really difficult things go on, and, and what we can do is we can put all of our relationship with God, and we can just put it aside in a box and forget about it. And it's some sort of, some, yeah, I know I grew up in church, and yeah, I know I've heard a couple sermons, and yeah, I know I've worshipped God. But then you kind of forget who God is and who Jesus is, and this is what the Lord's Supper, what communion is all about. Because we can forget in the flurry of a bunch of circumstances, we can forget how big God is. And then we can forget who we are in the kingdom of God. Now, I know you all have Disney Plus now because you got it to watch Hamilton. So while you're on your free preview or you actually bought it, go back and watch The Lion King. Because in The Lion King, there's this really great moment between Mufasa and Simba. Do you remember this moment? And he says to Simba, you have forgotten who you are. It's some sort of familiar. Hey, Simba, you actually have a purpose for your life. I actually want you to do something. It's the same way for us as sons and daughters of God. It's very easy for us in the flurry of circumstances, in the flurry of what's going on in the world to actually forget who we are, that we are a son and a daughter of the Most High. So we need to remember what's been done, and that's what communion is all about, so we can remember who we are in Christ and then remember who God is. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I love standing up to preach. I just, I had a moment. I had to sit for six weeks up there. I just love to be able to walk and preach a little bit. Anyway, sorry, I'm just having a moment. Just go with me. All right, verse 13. Had to be saddled, friends. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's what the world is like. It's just going from bad to worse. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. Continue in something you already know. It's familiar, but we might have forgotten it. We might have forgotten who I am in Christ. We might have forgotten what God has done for us in Jesus. If you continue in what you have learned, not to, I, I just need to hear something new. It's just, no, we need to continue on what we already know. And this is what centering our lives about, around Jesus is all about. And have becoming convinced because you know that those from who you learned it. And now from infancy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, that I'm going to experience the salvation of God in my own personal life. And then that salvation will flow through me to every circumstance, to every situation in life, to every relationship, in my home, on the workplace, in the world, that that faith that I have in Christ Jesus, that salvation, that it's, it's wise for salvation. So the salvation of God is making me wise for this season, for right now. Something that's already been done, something that has already taken place, something that we've actually already learned about, something we know about as followers of Jesus' salvation. It's going to make me wise for this season. See, he wants to do a work through me, but before he, before he does a work through me, he actually wants to do a work in me, and this is what discipleship is all about. This is what following Jesus is all about, that he is going to be doing something in me. Now, do I have any reactors in the room or any reactors watching online? And what I mean by that is that you're kind of ready, fire, aim. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you're just going to react, and then you'll think about it afterwards and maybe apologize. Do I have any reactors? Anybody want to admit it? Anybody watching online, throw up a hand. I'm a little bit of a reactor sometimes. Just going to be, be truthful, tell the truth this morning. I kind of just, and then, you know what, apologize. Maybe shouldn't have said that. You know, for the, the last four months, one of the responsibilities that I've taken on at home is doing the dishes. Now, I don't, it's not that I don't know how to do the dishes, just generally doesn't work with my, with my schedule is what I say. But when you're home all of the time, you got no excuses, right? So you're kind of like, okay. I'm going to do the dishes. So I just want you to know, for the past four months at our house, the dishes have been amazing. The sink is hardly ever full of dishes like I'm on that sucker. You know what I'm saying? So for the last couple days, I've been in here at the church, you know, preparing for today. And I left this responsibility with other people who live in my house who shall remain nameless at this moment. And I came home, and it was a mess, friends. There was stuff in the sink, and then I opened up the dishwasher that had already run through the clean cycle, and there was stuff on the utensils. 
which tells me what? It didn't get rinsed properly before it went in the dishwasher. Now, I know some of you are like, why do we need to rinse it before you put it in the dishwasher? Because you're taking the chunks of food out of the dishes that are going to get on other dishes, if you don't know. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so in that moment, I had a little bit of a reaction. I'm like, why is there stuff on the utensils? It was kind of a ready, fire, aim. So I had a thought about it. I might have reacted a little bit differently. But how many of you know reactions in the moment, that quick thing is never actually that profitable? See, but what God has for us is that God has a response ahead of time. God has a response before the question was even asked. God has a response, not just a reaction, to whatever we're going to go through in life. And we have to go back to, oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, yeah, God is my Savior. So that I'm not just reacting in the moment, that I'm actually responding from this place of salvation. Because it's going to make me wise in this moment of life. So a very familiar portion of Scripture talking about communion. Jesus says, Luke 22, verse 14, when the hour, as we're talking about Jesus, when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. Now think about what Jesus is doing here in this moment. Now what's coming up? The cross is coming up. Jesus is going to go to the cross that they are going to lose their rabbi. They're going to lose their leader. They're going to be super confused. And then after the cross and the resurrection, they're actually going to be left to be the people who start the church. So Jesus is taking a moment, and he's going to give them the response before the thing happens. He's going to sit down with them. Hey, we're going to recline at the table here. I just want you to know. He's going to sit with the apostles, all of whom at one point after this deserted him. There's one point in the gospel that says they all left him. Now, we know Peter denied him, and we, we're a very famous story, but they all left him. And Jesus knew that they were all going to leave, but he also knew that they were going to come back. He was giving the response before the thing happened. So he's just sitting, I'm just reclined at the table, hey, I just want to talk to you. The apostles with him. Verse 15, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, conspicuously absent from this Passover meal, there was no lamb because Jesus was going to be the lamb, changing the whole Passover meaning, that there would be a new thing for us to remember. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourself. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus is saying now. Don't, don't remember what happened in Egypt and how you came out of Egypt. I'm changing what the Passover meal would be. I'm changing. It's going to be the Lord's Supper. It's going to be the Lord's table. It's going to be what we call communion. Don't remember that moment. That's a great moment in history, in Israel's history. But now what I want you to do is I want you to remember me. And likewise, after the cup, after the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood, not the blood of a lamb, 
but in the blood of the perfect lamb of God. So Jesus, Jesus was preparing them ahead of time with the response of God, not just the reaction of my flesh. Because everything we go through in our families, in our homes, in the world, we could, just, we could just react. But God wants us to be wise through salvation. He wants us to come back to him. Remember me, Jesus said. And, and the Jesus followers are the ones that should remember Jesus. That he should be the ones, once again, that we start with Jesus and we end with Jesus, and it's Jesus everywhere in between. That he is the one who has saved us, and he is the one that came to give us life, abundant life, and then how to live. So we sat down at the table with them and prepared them ahead of time, because Jesus was going to suffer, and then they were going to suffer, and there was going to be persecution, and there was going to be tumult. It's a good King James word. There was going to be a lot of difficulty coming up for them to start the church, a lot of resistance. A lot of things going on in the world, but Jesus prepared them ahead of time with a godly response. And we have to be familiar and not forget what the response of God is in every moment of our lives. So Jesus went to the cross, spirit, soul, and body for us. And so Jesus has something for us, spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says this, And now may the God of peace sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. What is the response before the negative activity? What is, what is the response that God has for us before difficulty in the world? What is the response that God talks to us about that we might face something personally? Um, he who calls you is faithful. God has a faithful response before we face what we face. That's why Jesus sat down with the apostles and said, hey, I want you to remember me. Followers of Jesus, I want you to remember me that I am the answer. That Jesus is the answer. And this is such an important thing for us to know in this moment. See, Jesus being the answer means that the state isn't. That the government isn't the answer. This is what Jesus was changing the whole narrative of the world. That Jesus is the answer for what we need in the world. Remember me, Jesus said. What I did and what do I accomplish for you and what I taught you, I want you to live from that place because there is stuff coming. I have a response ready. My response, God says, is better than your reaction. So we have to, ahead of time, as followers of Jesus, dive into the responses of God. What are the responses of God? Because God has a response for me. He wants to do something in me before he does something through me. What does it say here? Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. I love this word sanctify. And what does it mean exactly? It means to separate. It means to, to be called out separate. To be separate from profane things and be dedicated to God. The God of peace 
sanctifying you, setting you apart for His purposes. Do you know that God has purposes for you in this season? God's purposes that are beyond the reactions of my flesh. The ready, fire, aim thing. Beyond that, better than that. And He sets you apart. He has set Christ followers apart. The God of peace is going to sanctify you. Holy Spirit, soul, and body set you apart for His purposes. Sanctify also means purify, to cleanse externally, free from the guilt of sin, to purify internally by the renewing of the soul. Does anyone in this season need any renewal in your soul? Come on now. I believe we all do. If we're honest... We've just come through, I would say, the strangest four or five months of our lives. Would that be true, Dad? Oldest man in the room is telling the truth. And it, and it can wear you down. Can I get an amen? amen? But God has a response before this happened. God had already done something in Jesus for us. He is faithful. Are we going to lean into what God has done for us? I mean, it's, it's familiar. We, we could have put it aside. We could have put it aside for a lot of things. But let, let's pull all of the pieces of our salvation out of the box, out of the book. Something that God has done ahead of time. Because he wants to make me wise through salvation. That I would take what God has accomplished for us in Christ on the cross, God's response, so much more powerful than my reaction. Spirit, soul, and body. What did it say there? The God of peace sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. In our spirits, in our spirit men, that we experience peace with God. No longer striving religiously or morally to try to make myself right with God. No, God has made peace with us through Christ. Do, do I walk in that peace? That's going to be a choice that we're going to have to make because my natural response is now, I, you know, I let all of you off a second ago who don't react like me. For those of you that, that have my personality, which I know there's a few of you in the room, that I know. They're just like, Zah. but then for those of us that can't tell that you're reacting, we know you because six months down the road, you bring it out. And you're like a tempest in a teapot. Like you're so pretty on the outside and it's so gentle, but on the inside, there's a storm of brewing. It's just at any moment, something's going to happen and it's going to all come out. Six months later, so for all of you that were looking down the nose at us who react in the moment, but you store all your stuff up for six months later, we got you, we got your number. <laughs> we all can react. We all can just do these things, but man, let's dig into the responses of God, the peace of God, which God gives us ahead of time before the problem starts. That's why Jesus said, remember me. The Prince of Peace, the one who's saved us, that we lean on him in troubled times. 
and difficult times. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule. Has anyone been tempted in the last four months to let other things rule your heart? Watching the news. Do you have any reactions? Come on, let's, let's be honest together today. Do you have any reactions watching the news? In the middle of all of that, what was God's response before we watched the news? Let the peace of God rule in your heart. See, that's the news, but we have the good news. And I don't say that tritely. We actually have the good news. And we're the ones that have to believe it. The followers of Jesus that need to embrace that we actually have the good news for today. And so what do we need to let the good news do? We need to let the good news infect us or affect us. Instead of just complaining about the world. Why? Because I could have peace and then I can take peace out there. But if I'm just going to react, I'm going to contribute to the non-peace that's already out in the world, and then we're not actually being the church. We're not being the ones who God has called ahead of time, before the problems happened, that we let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Psalm 29, 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. The Lord blesses. He did this ahead of time. He blessed us with peace before the problems happened, before the struggle, before the difficulty. He had a response, ready. See, and this needs to be our hiding place, the peace of God. It, it, peace is described like this. It's, it's, it should be the umpire of your heart. In other words, deciding what goes in and what what I allow to affect me and then how, I, how it's going to affect me and then how I'm going to act with others in a relationship and then how I'm going to act online. If I'm allowing the peace of God to change my heart, then I'm going to bring peace. should be the umpire for my heart, the peace that God gives because ahead of time, the God, God gives us his peace from the Prince of Peace, Spirit peace with God, peace in our hearts, soul. Third John, verse 1. There's no chapter, so it just starts with the verse 1. The elder, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy, the Apostle John writes, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. See, this is what God wants us to do, to be wise through salvation in this season, that we would walk in the truth that God provided ahead of time, that something has been done on the cross, that something has been taught to us in the scriptures ahead of time. I know, and what does the scripture say there? He wants us to walk in this truth. 
What does it say? As it goes well with your soul. Now, the, the soul is used, the word soul in the New Testament is actually used multiple different ways. Sometimes it means spirit, just sometimes it means the inner part of you. One definition of the soul means the seat of desires, affections, and aversions. Really, the soul, the internal part of us, or we could describe it like this, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Just all of that internal part of me that's processing all information and news all of the time. It's taking all of these things in. And then God has a response before I take it all in. And he wants it to go well with our soul, with the internal part of us, our mind, our thinking, our will, what we're deciding, our emotions, how we're feeling. Has anyone, let's be honest today, struggled in this area over the past four or five months? Come on now. So much stuff. And it could just affect us on the inside. But what we need to do is we need to go back to the game box. We need to go back to the book. We need to go back to Jesus. Jesus said, hey, apostles, I want you to sit down with me at the table. And I'm not going to actually tell you everything that's going to go on, because if I, if I, I'm just adding now. If I tell you everything that's going on, you might like get up and leave like in this moment. But I'm actually preparing you ahead of time. And when all of this stuff comes, I want you to remember me, Jesus said. Did we go back? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, the peace of God. Oh yeah, things that are healthy for my soul, that feed my heart. And then maybe the junk food that I've been imbibing for the last four or five months, maybe physically or so, many screen, so much screen time, I, maybe I need to dial some of that down. 